Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. This is your host, C. Travis Webb, editor of the American Age, and I am speaking to you from Southern California. Uh, hello, my name is Stephen G. Fullwood. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project. I'm coming to you from Harlem. It's a snowy day, and um, wherever you are, hope you're well. Mm, I'm Seth Rodney. I am the opinions editor at the Hypologic blog and the managing editor for the Sunday edition. And we have a, I think we have a year end uh, edition out this weekend. So um, mm. you might look out for that. We talk about um, this year to end all years and how it affected the art scene. So I want to be clear because, you know, we, we record this on a different day to clarify. So you're talking about the weekend because this will, will this will come out on the 28th, I think. I think so. So it'll be that following. Okay. So good. All right. So please, you know, check out, check out the hyperallergic edition that weekend. So, mm-hmm. um, so we have a tradition at the American age, which is that we start, which is our very first podcast that, uh, Seth and I did, uh, before Stephen had joined us, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, it's just awful. We've remarked on this before. It's very long, very rambling. Uh, not that we don't ramble still now sometimes, but, and it is called Unlucky Days. And for those listeners who have not listened to previous ones, it is based on, so in the Mesoamerican calendar, there are a series of days that close out every year on the short count and the long count calendar that basically are no days. And these are inauspicious days to begin new activities. Uh, you know, people do things like don't cut their toenails or cut their hair and, you know, kind of all this <laughs> stuff that, that less sophisticated urban cultures do. Although they had a very sophisticated culture. So um, we just, you know, I don't know. I think we cut our toenails every day of the year. But um, <laughs> so, so we, we imported this idea because we have there is a part of that in the west which are the days between christmas and new years so there are you know 6 days uh after uh december 25th and the start of the new year that really always have felt to me as no days they're sort of liminal mm. they're weird you know maybe you still have to work lots of people do probably most people still do but they don't feel like anything and you know so we've used the podcast on that topic to talk about things like cyclicity before because you know the calendar is a round count you know our calendar is a round count even though we count the years we come back around to december every damn year we came back around to january every year so this sort of the idea of gyres and spirals and the ways in which we don't you know, cyclicity is not a very common thing to talk about in in typical Western discourse, but that it's still with us. Anyway, it's a long introduction to say that this year in particular, to be talking about unlucky days and being in a liminal space between what you were and what you're going to be and what happens in between that time and what you look like on the other side seem particularly poignant. Mm -hmm. Because 2020 has been a liminal Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> um, to say the very, I, I, very least. I, I so on, for my little my little bit of it, and you know, we we just kind of take the conversation wherever it goes. You know, I'm not I'm not sure what Seth and Stephen want to say about it. My my piece of it in the idea of talking about cyclicity and things that that return, stories that return, problems that return, is the idea of the Mad King in mm. Hamlet. 
Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and a mad, illegitimate king. So I'm not talking about Lear. I'm talking about sort of uh, Hamlet's illegitimate father after his father's been murdered. Mm. And because of the illegitimate king and the murder of the legitimate king, the country of Denmark is driven mad. Mm. There's a pretty famous essay uh, written on this. The, the scholar's last name is Collar. I can't remember his first name. Uh, but uh, where he talks about the medieval idea of something called pseudodoxia epidemica, which is basically mass delusion, widespread mass delusion. Mm-hmm. And he reads Hamlet this way. I mean, you know, one of the early, you know, uh, something is rotten in Denmark. Right? Mm-hmm. Something is, there's a sickness in the country. Mm-hmm. And because of that sickness in the country, the country itself is mad. And I believe that, I believe that the country's reaction to the election of Donald Trump in 2016 is meant for much of the country. And it's meant something entirely different from the, for the other part of the country, right? So this isn't about, I'm not making a pronouncement, but there is, there were 70 million voters that uh, were on board with Trump and his, um, and his approach, his agenda, whatever. But for the other 80 million who voted and those who didn't vote and, and, but, for many of them, he was an illegitimate president. There was something rotten in the country. And I believe that the country has gone mad as in response to that illegitimacy. And I, I believe that that is that COVID and, and the coronavirus, not that that's not a real virus, not that it's not a real sickness. It is a real sickness, but the country itself is tearing itself apart because it was never able to really reckon with what it considered to be its illegitimate king, which was Donald Trump. So. I, you know, I'm, I disagree with this. I, I think I profoundly disagree with this because I don't think we thought of him as, I'm going to say we, uh, putting myself in this sort of vanguard of people mm-hmm. who hated pretty much every aspect of his administration. We didn't think, or maybe, maybe actually I'll just personalize it. I didn't think he was illegitimate. I thought he was mad. That's the problem, is that I think that, that there's a great, a large section of the populace here in the U.S. of America who believes that the other part of the populace that, mm. that supports this mad king, mm-hmm. um, and he's really, he's behaved like a king in, 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 in particular ways throughout the For last sure. four years. We believe sure. that he that he's mad. He and his followers are mad. And I, don't, I, I was thinking about this the other day, just yesterday, thinking it's a it's. And I've, I've, we've said this before on the po- I've said this before on the podcast that I've admitted that it's a real problem for me dealing with people who support him because, as you said, Travis, just the other just the other podcast. Um, we use those political alignments, those allegiances, as shorthand for dismissing their character, mm-hmm. right? right? Right, right, Absolutely, truth. And I was and and I was reading about Tito Ortiz, um, mm-hmm. MMA fighter, who's mm-hmm. now um, on the board, um, like he's a polit- he's he's now 
um, on the council for Huntington Beach, I think he's. he's I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Huntington Beach would be the city that would course, have that would an have MMA a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. For those of you that aren't in California, you would. I mean, Seth is lived here for many years, so he understands. What that <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Tito Ortiz, who used to be, part, I think, part of the UFC, or it was Bellator, or it, it doesn't matter. He was an MMA fighter. Both of those. He yeah. uh, and he was married to Jenna Jameson. Um, at one mm-hmm. point, um, mm-hmm. one of the most well-known um, sex worker slash porn actresses in, um, in the world. He apparently is a QAnon uh, follower and Ooh. a Donald Trump supporter. And the article, I bet, I just went down this rabbit hole, started reading about him um, because I because I, I followed this thread about Trump supporters. And apparently, the woman who is the actress in this like Disney film, she's a she's an action actress. She does a lot of fighting in films. Mm-hmm. Gina, something. She's also a QAnon supporter. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading, as I read about these two people, thinking as I read this, I I felt what I was thinking as I read this stuff was, I don't know how. To respect these people, I don't know how to talk to them. I don't even know how to live in the same, in the same community. If I if I lived in Huntington Beach, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know how to talk to this person, Tito Ortiz, because I would just think there's no there's no common ground. There's no place that we could meet and and actually work things out to be neighbors with each mm-hmm. other. If you fundamentally believe mm-hmm. that Donald Trump. And even me saying this now, I just, it's just ridiculous to me that Donald Trump is the head of a, a, a secret cabal that is fighting a global cadre of people who are involved in child prostitution. Like, mm-hmm. I just like, what? Like, what? Like, <laughs> what? So. Let me, let me, um, (laughs) come on, man. So no, it's, so it's, it's of course absurd. Let me start with that. Of course the idea is absurd. However, let me like try and find a point of contact. Mm -hmm. It doesn't strike me as that different from the idea that capitalism is led by a pernicious group of oligarchs that are interested in exploiting as much human blood as they can from their workers to sun themselves on their yachts and retreat to their villas in the Alps. It's a little bit more um, sensational. It's kind of Mm -hmm. like the soap opera version of, you know, sort of a traditional or classical drama. I get it's not sophisticated. I understand that. I, I know it's held together with a bunch of innuendo and misinterpretation and uh, cherry-picked information. And spit but, and bailing wire. Yes. yes. But so is the other. Right. Like, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a simplification of how the world works. Right. Mm-hmm. And both of those are wrong. So I'm not going to go as far as saying they're both equally wrong. I don't believe that. I do think that one is obviously is, is demonstrably less connected to reality. I understand that. But, you know, the, uh, I, I hear what you're saying about the mad, the king part. So I would use, de- I would use, uh, illegitimate in a more capacious term than just not legal, though. Okay. I, I but I do think, you know, the Mueller investigation, like the impeachment, mm-hmm. Like there, 
there have definitely there has definitely been a four year effort, if not to see him as illegitimate, to delegitimize him, and certainly news coverage or, of him. Or you could sorry, sorry, Travis, sorry to interrupt, but you, no, no, or you could say, me. or you could say to check his illegitimate actions. Because yeah, because yeah, when yeah, good. right mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. when he actually solicited a, the leader of a foreign government to Sorry. dig up dirt on a potential political rival, th- that's that's illegal. So it is, and I am I, I am I was you know I I want to make sure like you know for people that like this, I I am definitely not a Trump supporter like I no, I we, am no we know that. really. Uh, Aren't you not? You sure? (laughs) (laughs) I find (laughs) I find him repugnant. However, it's I'm not. Unfortunately, I don't have the historical facts uh, ordered sufficiently to give you a a fully accurate gloss. But I know that it is not that different than what has been done under previous administrations, although equally wrong. It was certainly done by Reagan yes. in the way that the Iran-Contra affair went down and yes. the way the Reagan administration yes. dealt with the hostage situation in Iran, you know, yes. sales for hostages. This was as Carter had lost the election. Yes. So absolutely wrong disgusting think that's totally wrong there were a bunch of hearings on it oliver north etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. it also was done uh i think under nixon like something with vietnam like there was kind of an undermining of like something with Vietnam. i don't remember i mean just google it yeah. um yeah yeah it, so it's not unpre- so this is the thing about trump he isn't actually as now he is unprecedented in some ways but not to the degree that the media has made him unpre- he's rude and ill-mannered and uncultured in the ways that we expect our politicians to be but, but that's Corey but, that, Ro- but that's precisely Corey what's Robbins up. yeah Cory Robbins argument is that he's yeah Cory Robin being the kind of uh, uh, political scientist uh, at one of the SUNY schools maybe Brooklyn I think uh-huh. and you know brilliant writer don't agree with him on a lot of stuff uh-huh. um, because I, I'm not his general interpretation I'm not with, but I do think he's very persuasive on certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is his argument that, that Trump is not that different than Bush too. He's not that different than Reagan's policies. His manner of prosecuting the Republican agenda is different. Well, that's, but that's the problem. And I think that that makes, or that's the issue that makes it seem, makes him seem unprecedented because you've never had a president that has gone, uh, 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 that has in public called people who are members of an, uh, an organized sports league sons of bitches. Like that's, <laughs> that's just not, it's unprecedented to have someone to actually gl- glorify grabbing women by their genitals and glorify the one having the power to do that. And being able to get away with it. Like that is unprecedented. And I I'm think with what, you. And so I think yeah, what happens is combined yeah. with a very sort of ham-fisted approach to developing public policy and mm-hmm. ham-fisted not only in terms of not thinking about the consequences of these policies um, in the long view, but mm-hmm. also ham-fisted in the way they roll them out, like not eat, like saying something and taking it back literally two or three days later. Like yeah. that kind of thing is unprecedented. There's a kind of incompetence yeah. and rudeness and unwillingness to learn 
Yeah. That that I think in com- in combination with what is generally a kind of white supremacist nationalist um, supply side approach, um, which is uh, the sort of general general approach of the um, or general agenda of the GOP. I think those in combination just make him feel or seem like like something we've never seen before. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I want to let Stephen say because we've been going back and forth. The only thing yeah. I would, the only thing I would tweak, even though I don't want to necessarily get into it, I, I don't know that I think that the GOP agenda is white nationalist. I think they use white nationalism to further a political agenda, the mm. way that Democrats use certain hot button issues to further their political agenda. But I mean, but but that's a quibbling thing. So Stephen, you've sat yeah. there very patiently while Seth and I have gone. Back I was so patient. I'm just listening to all this. <laughs> Jibber jabber. Um, <laughs> mine is very brief and hopefully to the point. And it's because um, this year has been a year for me of collectives, people that I adore and love, artists, activists, filmmakers, folks who've just gotten together to either just check in with one another or to create products. Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do was to draw your attention to a zine that I um, contributed to called What Does a COVID-19 Doula Do? Mm-hmm. It's a zine that came out of uh, what would an HIV doula do, which is a group that is really thoughtful about how they engage, you know, how how people live with HIV. So they're filmmakers, mm-hmm. activists, and folks who've been doing this really amazing work. So out of that project came this project because it was so similar in terms of how COVID came and they saw how HIV in the very beginnings of its, you know, how people were responding to it. They were blaming mm-hmm. a lot of people for doing things and so forth. And so um, mm. the one thing that sort of starts off the book that I think is really important, what does a COVID-19 doula do? They talk about how let's not be afraid of each other. 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 Mm. And I think let's think about how to provide and receive support amid shared illness. Mm. And so I just wanted to leave everyone with those words. Let's not be afraid of each other. Let's take mm. 2020 to really think about what we love, how we love it, to love and understand ephemerality and how we contribute to a culture, the cultures, you know, consciously contribute to a culture that that makes some that holds a knee on someone else's neck. Mm. Let's think about how we contribute to that, but also let's think about how we love, you know. So mm. that's all I have. Mm. You know, the thing about what you just said, Stephen, and this, mm, what the thing about what you just said is, it immediately changed my mood. Like just a mm. minute prior, I was back in that back and forth with Travis, which which I genuinely enjoy. But my mood was, I was, I was, I was amped up. I felt like mm-hmm. kind of angry at these at Tito Ortiz and and Gina, what's her name, and angry at all these supporters and thinking, I don't know how it's possible for me to ever live with human beings like this. And then you said what you said, mm-hmm. and I thought that went away, and it made me think, mm. oh, mm. the possibility mm. of mm. not being afraid of other people, right? not being afraid of Tito Ortiz, right? of being able to somehow find a way to talk with him and be a neighbor of his, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that possibility becomes apparent only under the conditions that you've, of, 
only under the conditions that you basically just laid out. Basically, you got me there by saying, here are some ways that we can actually be caring self-aware human beings, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what I'm so what I'm what I'm saying is what I realize is me reading certain kinds of things or being on certain kinds of social media, Twitter, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't put me in a position to be able to see these possibilities. Yeah, thank yeah. you actually for saying that. The the repetition actually worked for me a lot. Mm. You know, I mean like the you know, let's not be afraid of each other. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I I do feel like that is a a more poignant and powerful way of saying what I think I am often trying to say. I mean, I actually mm-hmm. just repeat. I, I appreciate the the directness of that. Yeah, we are not so dissimilar from one another, um, and and I do feel like social media really is a net evil for the culture. I really do. Um, there aren't enough baby pictures shared. True. amongst family members True. for it to outweigh <laughs> True. the damage that I think it's doing to our collective mm. psyches as a country. True. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to really, I mean, I said this last year, I think I'm, I'm really going to need to think more seriously this year about how to, to winnow um, all those sort of anger, Ang- anger-centric voices in my feed. Like I, fi- I need to find. I need yeah. to find. Yeah, I need to find more of what Stephen just said. I need to have more of that in my life. And the thing is, you know, it, on Twitter you can find those things. There are things that are oh, really yeah. uplifting. Oh, no, they absolutely. are there. It's just that they're one out of. For me, at least, they're one out of every twenty-five tweets. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, I, uh, I'm. I think you're you're more active on Twitter. I know you're more active on Twitter than I am, and I, mm-hmm. I know you're more mm-hmm. familiar with the platform. You know, when I look at so when I'll look at, I'll tend to go search for you know if you find the more sensational Twitter comments that are talked mm-hmm. about in the media. So I'll mm-hmm. go to look at the comment or mm-hmm. whatever, find out the context. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's as inflammatory as the media has made it sound but invariably if you go down the the chain of comments mm-hmm. it's filled with a bunch of reasonable shit mm-hmm. yeah it's it's just filled with people like well i think the, this just goes too far or i feel like you're not really like there's it's just not it doesn't cause the rubbernecking that mm. everything else does mm. uh, uh, with the media and social media. So all of that point. kind of reasonable consideration and care is just drowned out by, like, like Steven's done this before. It's, it's a fight. It's a fight. It's a mm-hmm. fight. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Right. It's right. a fight. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a moment to kind of go look for that stuff, though, Seth. I mean, it, it takes, not a moment. It, 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 it takes the consciousness of, I want to see something different. So where is it? And I know mm-hmm. it's there because mm-hmm. if this is there, yeah. then this is there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know, clicks—it's something that you didn't mention earlier, Travis, um, in one of our podcasts about this idea. The media is there to sell you something, yeah. <laughs> not all of it, but some of it is just there for the clicks. It's yeah. there to get you yeah. to click on it. And I'd say half of the shit that I click on is clickbait. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's sure. irrelevant. Or it's wrong. It's incorrect. It starts out. I'm like, this isn't what I thought I was going to read, <laughs> you know. But they got me. They got me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, you, are the, at, you are at dollars for them now. Yeah. yeah. Thank what, goodness. I mean, that's terrible. Rather, what I'm doing right now is I'm actually running through my uh, Twitter feed to look for the names that pop up 
regularly who mm. and again these are not bad people or maybe maybe I shouldn't say again I don't I don't know if I said it before but these are people who definitely whose feed gets my blood pressure going and <laughs> and I'm just not following them I'm just like okay I need to find I need to find yeah. I need to find more of the thing that makes me believe that Living on this planet is actually possible, like because 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 wow, you, you know, because yeah. you y'all said it, and and I believe y'all, but I'm not there yet. When you say Travis, I love people and I love being alive, and you say this too, Stephen, I'm like, eh. <laughs> 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 I'm like, oh. it's all right. Oh it's all right. I can I can handle certain <laughs> people. I'm good with certain people. Other people, mm, not so much. Maybe that's the thing that 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 will be um, the thing that becomes my focus in my 51st year on the planet. That I will try to find ways to um, actually like see the humanity in people so I can see it in myself. Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're doing. That's a good point. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's point. Do you guys make uh, New Year's resolutions? Is it a thing that you, a ritual that you engage in? No, but I do a year-end report. So I take everything that I did this year or most mm. everything and put it in a report so that I can look at it later. Mm, and then I like that. For, then forecast. So they're not really resolutions. They're more like, okay, I want to see this happen. I want to go to Paris this year. I want to do this, that, that, that. That's what I do. Steven, yeah, that's a New Year's resolution. That's just a snotty New Year's resolution. I'm a snotty person. <laughs> I don't like everybody. <laughs> Steven, really do you mind, do you, sorry, Steven, do you mind sharing that with me? Sure. Mm-hmm. Could you? Because yeah. I, I think I want to do that. Sure. It's fine. Yeah, I love it. Actually, yeah, no, no, I love it. So, what What's is your, the form? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would like to actually see it. What, what's the form of the document? Like, how do you break it down with like headings, or do you like? So it takes. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not poking. I actually am curious. Like, how, oh no, no, no! I'm, yeah. I'm not even taking it that way. No, I. It, so it, it evolves based on my interest. So one year, I think mm. I did a lot of theorizing at the beginning of it, and then I just went into. I published this much. I, I went to these states. I gave this many talks. Mm. Da, da, da. But I think this year, I'm mm. not sure what it is, but I've been adding, I've been just building the data and trying to figure out what the data wants to tell me in the report. So there mm. are headlines, you know, mm-hmm. for some things. And other things are just basically, I, pub, I you know, I published in these magazines. I did this and so forth. Mm. And then at the end of it will be like, what do I want to see in 2021? Mm. Not 2020. I don't want to see that. (laughs) 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 And I want to be more gentle with myself this year. So I just feel like this year I've been trying, I've been making fun of the people who said that you needed to have eight abs. You needed to learn how many languages because, you know, you're at home. You should be doing these, you know, that how to rush, 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 always be productive culture. I I make fun of those things, but then feel, still feel some way about them, you know, when Mm -hmm. I'm not doing something. So. Twenty twenty one. I'm looking forward to being just kinder to myself. Uh, I love this idea. So, the, um, do mm-hmm. you find that? So, when do you go back and look at the document? Do you look at it at the end of the year? So, like, will you go back and look at twenty nineteen now, or what do you? It depends. I look at all of them from time to time. Like, I'll go, "What did I do that again?" And then I'll go back and look at it. So, it's a part of mm-hmm. a larger sort of thing, and I pull from it from time to time. Sometimes it's the only way I can find out something because that's where that evidence is. You know, that citation or so forth. So it depends. I probably will look at 2019 a little closer. I'm not even sure if I finished it. Sometimes I don't even finish them. I just get like a raw data set and I don't, I can't make myself finish it. So I'm like, that's it. That's what, 
that's what I have, <laughs> you know, until, but yeah, I'll probably get it done on the 28th, which is my mom's birthday, December 28th. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, all right. So I, I love that idea actually. Yeah. If you'll share, I actually would, uh, I would share I, with something like that I think would be uh, pretty useful for me to do as well. So I think so. I mean, happy new year, right? I mean, the next time we talk to each other, it'll be in, in 2021. Have a happy uh, new year to you and your families yeah. and the people you love yeah. and, the people, and the people you don't love. <laughs> Wish them a happy happy new year too. Maybe we'll so, get better. <laughs> um, and if you happen to have party favors, you can blow them. <laughs> um, oh, so, uh, you know, yes. it's, yeah. <laughs> there's one. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. so, you know, I wanted to say, you know, it's the end of the year, but, um, I, I love doing the podcast with you guys and I look forward mm. to doing the podcast with you guys. And it's not, uh, always, e- I mean, it's never hard, but it's not always easy to show up and be fully present for the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always feel better having done that. Agreed. Um, so Agreed. Agreed. Same page. Hopefully 2021 is is a better year because mm. <laughs> it can get worse that is the, the most insane hilarious terrifying thing that could happen it's like oh you thought this was bad hold my beer hold my beer yes oh shit but, um, but I enjoyed doing the podcast with you both in fact I was writing down my gratitude things today and i was thinking mm-hmm. i really appreciate being a part of this conversation so thank yeah, you so me much too. me too yeah, yeah mm-hmm. thank you both you. for this for sure all right my friends all right. i'll talk to you guys soon all right, take later. care happy yeah. new year Bye. 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 Bye.